Hello, and welcome to Cover to Credits, the bi-weekly podcast where we discuss books and their movie adaptations. I'm Ian George. And I'm Adina Hilton. In this episode, we'll be discussing The Lovely Bones. The Lovely Bones was written by Alice Siebold and was published in 2002. And the film adaptation was directed by Peter Jackson and came out in 2009. Yep. And those are the facts. Those are the facts right there. I was really surprised. It's funny because I kind of remembered... I'm like, I know The Lovely Bones was by a very well-known kind of visual film director, but I couldn't remember who. Yeah. And then I was very surprised to see it was Peter Jackson. I was too. I kind of forget that he does anything besides Lord of the Rings. <laughs> he really should have just retired after I that. I know. Let's be real. <laughs> what, I mean, what has he done? He has that new movie out that he's like a part of. I don't know if he directed it. That one with the cities that are on treadmills. <laughs> Oh, I don't, I don't know about this <laughs> They're movie. big moving cities. It looks like Mad Max on steroids and acid. Really? Oh, I have not heard of this. It doesn't look very good. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. It doesn't look great. But he, uh, but he directed this one. Yes, he did. And we read it. I mean, we watched it. We watched it. And then read the source material. We did. And now we're going to talk about it. Yes, this episode was actually a suggestion. Oh my God, yes. It was a suggestion by Lauren Liu, who contacted us on Instagram. And we are so glad to uh, have listeners and yeah. get suggestions from them. That being said, <laughs> slight warning, I hope our opinions don't upset you. Yeah. Um, they're not all going to be bad by uh, any no. means. I don't want to like make it sound like we're going to rip this book and movie a new one or anything. But, um, you know, I, I always worry that I'm like, oh, God, I hope... There aren't like big fans of the yeah. story that we're talking about and they're going to like be really upset, <laughs> be really upset and think we're like that we take a more critical view sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and this is one of those times. And we definitely have our kind of focus on certain elements of stories that maybe not everyone cares as much as about. Yeah, exactly. So, and and we've said before, uh, we'll never like really knock anyone for liking a thing. No, absolutely. Not. If you like a thing. That's great. That's great. If you read a book, our, good, good on you. We act like our opinions are the end-all be-all, but they are absolutely not. <laughs> Despite our strict uh, judgment at the end of every episode yeah. where we decide which is better. Our opinions don't matter. They're, our, just, yeah. they're just two people's opinions. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, the decision is final and <laughs> w- without argument, of course. But besides that, everything else that's said is is um, opinion based. Mm-hmm. And if you have objections to what we've said, please let us know. Send us some emails and we'll yeah. read them. Yeah, we, we love getting that kind of stuff and mm-hmm. hearing from listeners. And if you have a suggestion, please share it with us. Yes. Um, it's we, what, we love doing suggestions from people because it saves us the trouble of picking picking episodes to do. Yeah, yeah. There's a whole world full of adaptations out there, and sometimes we just don't know which one to do next. So yeah, and so we love finding out what you guys like. So mm-hmm. let's get into it. Yes. I don't have my notes with me. <laughs> one second, <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> How's that wine treating you, Ian? Oh man, it's I. You know, I'm not very affected by it. <laughs> To be perfectly honest. <laughs> this this story is about Susie. 
Yes. Who is a 14-year-old girl who Susie lives Salmon. somewhere in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Which is... Where we live. Cool for us, because we're in Pennsylvania, too. Mm-hmm. Although Pennsylvania's a huge state. Yeah, she's more near Philly. So. Yeah, yeah. Which is basically another state yeah. in itself. Completely different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Freaking Philly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Susie Salmon, she's 14-year-old girl. And what year does this, does the inciting incident happen Nineteen seventy four. Yeah, early seventies. Yeah, yeah, early to mid seventies. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of your average teenage girl. She she likes boys. She's in school. Yep. She's got, she's got parents and a sister and a brother. She's the oldest of her family. She wants to be a wildlife photographer when she gets older. She loves taking pictures. She's a crush on this boy in her class, Ray. And they in the book they have one kiss. By her locker. It's yeah. very brief, but um, there's the promise of something more. In the movie, they haven't kissed yet, but they have a date coming up. Yeah, yeah. And so in the movie, um, we're kind of given a little bit of this backstory and setup before the incident. Yeah. Before the... <laughs> before, before the murder? Before the murder. <laughs> Everyone who's listening to this knows that Susie gets murdered. Yeah. But the book kind of starts right off with this yeah basically she is cutting through a cornfield uh in after school after school at night Mm -hmm. as you do well so it was interesting because i until i saw the movie i didn't really think about it in context but in my mind as i was reading the book i'm like oh a cornfield like there's corn stalks everywhere stalks of corn yeah yeah, there's just this guy creeping in the cornfield like weird but it's december Mm -hmm. so the cornfield is like dead, so it's just empty. Yeah, was that n- not being um, corn experts? <laughs> was it? I mean, it's in Pennsylvania, so the corn would be dead at this time of year. No, yeah, I, I, mm-hmm. yeah, that makes sense. Like, was it supposed to be obvious that it wasn't like tall stalks of corn? Because I don't think they described it overtly in yeah. the book. It was just in the cornfield. Because I kind of envisioned it the same way as you did. Yeah, where she's like cutting through like a path. And then Mr. Harvey just steps, steps out, out of the corn of the stalks of corn and is like, oh, you're the salmon girl, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But then to see this in the movie with like all the stalks on the ground and it just completely empty was creepier. And then also since it's December after school, it would be getting kind of dark at this yeah. time. Mm-hmm. So she's cutting through this cornfield and then Mr. Harvey shows up. Mm-hmm. And in the movie, we've been given a little bit of foreshadowing of him. Yeah. It, there's it, it, it's um, it was insightful. I love reading IMDb facts because apparently there's a scene in the mall earlier oh, in the I movie. Yeah. Did you, do you know what I'm I talking saw about? It. Yeah. Apparently, Mr. Harvey can be seen four t- in four different shots. I saw at least one shot lurking around the mall. the mall. Like, yeah. is he just kind of in the background? I'm guessing. Yeah. He's just one of the people like going by. Yeah. yeah. Which is 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 very interesting, and I like that they did that because yeah, Susie talks about the fact that he was there mm-hmm. and watching her, and that she was kind of like intent on because Ray is there, and so she's like all nervous and stuff, wants to approach him, and doesn't notice that there's this man that's kind of stalking her. Yeah, yeah, uh, and and Stanley Tucci plays the killer. Yep. in this movie, very effectively. I hate it. He's so he's so disturbing he's and so- creepy. Gross. He was nominated for an Oscar for it, Ugh. which <laughs> uh, a, a blood Oscar. <laughs> I feel like they can't give an Oscar to a child murderer. Like, yeah. even if it's like a great performance, like 
I noticed he didn't win the Oscar, probably True. because they're like, we can't give this to him. <laughs> <laughs> what if, like, what if this, like, ruined his career? Like, everyone after this just, like, couldn't get past that fact. And, uh, I actually was reading, though, he was very, very uncomfortable by playing this role a lot. Yeah, I'm like, sure. Like, he really... Um, even though the movie is very toned down from the book in yeah. terms of what he does violence. and violence, he was still very uncomfortable and disturbed by this role and having to do it. And in fact, he actually had like kind of a lot of um, uh, not prosthetic stuff, but like he wore kind of a, a fat suit. Yeah. And he had some kind of denture Yeah, there was thing. something with his mouth, the way he talked. Yeah, it was very odd. Yeah. Uh, he had some kind of denture placement that kind of just sh- shapes his mouth a little differently, mm-hmm. makes him look a little different and talk a little different. Yeah. And of course, his hair is dyed and like glasses. So he really kind of transformed for the role so that he would feel hopefully less creepy in his day-to-day life, I imagine. Yeah, oh my God. But so he approaches Susie in the cornfield and I thought their interaction in the movie was very well played out where she's kind of like, eh. something's off. This is weird. He, he lives in her neighborhood, so yeah. she knows him. Yeah. But still, she's like kind of creeped out. But he tells her like, oh, I just built this really cool thing. Like I wanted a second opinion. Would you want to look? And yeah, she's being polite. And it just immediately makes me think of that girl with a dragon tattoo. Yeah. Line. Yeah. Where this killer character is like, why does everyone like not trust their instincts. not trust their instincts yeah. yeah instead they want to be polite and make sure they don't offend anyone so they they go with someone where they don't trust them or they feel uneasy but they don't want you know to give off that impression to other people to offend anyone mm-hmm. and that puts them in danger but also like she's 14 so yeah yeah you can't like blame her at all no uh so she follows him and he shows her this uh trap door in the cornfield that leads to this subterranean room that he's built, like yeah. hollowed out. It's like a dugout. Yeah, and it's like supported with wood, mm-hmm. like wood beams. So it's almost like this shelter underneath the ground. And I just want to say, like, how did he build this in the middle of the cornfield? This, and, and seeing it. It's like, like in the center of suburbia. Uh-huh. In the book, you're... You still question it, yeah. But you're you're like, I, I don't know if I am envisioning this right or mm-hmm. how. But seeing it really reaffirmed this because first of all, it just shows him digging it by hand. Yeah. Second of all, what did he do with the dirt? Yeah. There would be a a mountain of dirt, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure like he'd have to dig for a long time. The entire hole, like you wouldn't have a ceiling. I don't know I, I don't, how you would do that. I really don't know. Yeah. But it just doesn't seem like a one-man job in a field that isn't his own. Yeah. And I'm not sure you could not disturb the corn around it. Yeah. And later, just to fast forward a bit, after things happen, they discover the dugout and it's like been sunken in. Sunken in and collapsed. Yeah. But in the movie, it's just like filled with dirt again. Yeah. Almost like it's not really collapsed in on itself. I don't know. It was just I, the logistics of it kind of bothered me a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so I'm so, just, so, just going to tell everyone <laughs> in case you don't already know, because this is a book about murder. It, this is a very like disturbing part. So we're just going to talk about violence, r- murder and rape right here. Um, but he lures Susie into this hole in the ground 
basically. And it's like, isn't this cool? Okay, now you're trapped in here. Yeah. Now you have to stay in here. And then he rapes her. And this scene in the book is very, I wouldn't say it's graphic, but it is descriptive. Yeah. I don't know like where that line is between descriptive and graphic. Yeah. You know, it's not overtly describing the details, but it's really using a lot of metaphors and. And they're like literally telling you about like Susie's thoughts and feelings during this traumatic rape and it's very 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 upsetting i was really disturbed reading it um and you know that that might be just me um i might be kind of sensitive to that stuff i've talked about not really liking horror and things like that before but i was just i was very upset there's a lot of things i would change about this book one of them being the way events occur because this is a fantastical book yeah. in terms of, you know, she's in a she's a ghost either in heaven or a ghost world or however you yeah. want to d- interpret it. And that transition is startling and her getting used to it is an element. And I feel that they could have held off on this scene until per- later, until on. later, perhaps she doesn't remember exactly or perhaps she doesn't reflect on it because it is a first person perspective. Perhaps she doesn't reflect on it till later. Mm -hmm. Maybe it starts as her immediately being dead as a ghost. Yeah. Until we get to know her a little better. Yeah. Because just starting off with uh, once upon a time, there was a 14 year old girl and then she was raped and murdered by a man. And we're going to describe it. It feels not well handled in terms of She's not a character yet. No, yeah, she's just this victim. And I think that's maybe partly why it almost feels more gratuitous, mm-hmm. is you're just reading this thing that's horrible and vague. and Yeah, and then, you know, not only, like, she talks about how she knows that he's going to kill her, yeah. like, which is very upsetting also. <laughs> I keep using the word upsetting, but I don't know how else to describe it. Well, it's accurate, because you were very kind of disturbed after yeah, reading this yeah. and upset about it, which I totally understand. Mm-hmm. But then he like slits her throat and then cuts up her body. Like yeah. they talk about that. And yeah. Yeah. Now the movie handles it differently in an interesting way. I, I really liked this. I did too. So what it does is there's this, uncomfortable interaction with them in it's this getting whole, tense yeah it, it's the scene's handled pretty well with her just realizing that mr harvey is this weird person and she's kind of in a bad situation and she goes to escape up the ladder he tries stopping her she kicks him in the face and then bursts she, out. she bursts out and she gets out and she's running across the field and for a moment Unless you've read the book, you're probably like, oh, my God, is she getting away? Is she going to get away? What's happening? Yeah. And then you start to get the hint that something's not right. Mm -hmm. She first runs past a girl and her figure is weird and ghost-like. And then she's kind of in this ghost world. Yeah. So obviously the implication is she didn't actually get away. Yeah. And her spirit is escaping. But I think this effectively conveys for her probably how confusing this transition was for her in terms of like, wait, I'm dead. Like, I don't understand that what happened. And such like a violent act and Mm -hmm. how her instinct, even for her soul would be just to run, you Mm -hmm. know? And I like that idea of her spirit just fleeing. Yeah. um, Yeah. From this trauma. And they do talk about that in the book a bit. They do mention like souls, like kind of really 
when there is that violence, like tearing themselves away and like yeah. wanting to escape. And, and it being different than just a normal peaceful death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I did think the way the movie handled the scene in general, it was tense, uncomfortable and but only the right amounts. And it wasn't yeah. over the top. And I read that. Once again, Stanley Tucci like said, he's like, I'm not going to do this movie if there's any actual kind of rape scene. Like, I'm not going to yeah. do that. Yeah. And, and everyone was like in agreement with that. They were that. like, yeah, we want this to be a PG-13 movie. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's leave that part out. Yeah. So she escapes into the spirit world in the movie. And yeah. we're kind of getting glimpses at her family in both the book and the movie. Mm-hmm. They just think she's late at- from school or mm-hmm. at the mall. And there's that slow kind of tragic realization that something's not right. Yeah. In the movie, her dad goes running around with a photo, like asking if people have seen her. Mm-hmm. And eventually they bring an officer, a detective in, Len Fetterman, mm-hmm. who is a recurring character who takes descriptions of her and when she disappeared and trying to figure out what's going on exactly. But the family is suddenly realizing this isn't right and yeah. something's wrong. Mm-hmm. But... Let's talk about where Susie goes. Yes. And. Oh, before we get there. Oh, yeah. I do want to mention before we move off of this terrible topic. Um, the author. Oh, yeah. Alice Siebold um, was actually raped um, mm-hmm. in her freshman year of college. And it was a stranger. She was just walking and someone attacked her and she was raped in this like tunnel. Um, and then, you know her rapist like ran off and she was you know left and when she went to the police later they told her that another girl had been raped and then dismembered in that same tunnel oh my god where she was raped and they told her that she was lucky wow and so she she calls her memoir lucky i i read in the back flap of this book that she was the author of a memoir called lucky yeah and um so I think, you know, she does translate her personal experience well, and I respect that, definitely. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I, I agree. I, I think it translates to the horror of what I'm sure... Was a personal experience. What Yeah, what she actually went through. And it is effective at, you know, giving you uh, uncomfortable feelings and, like, sympathy and, like, sadness about the incident... For my crit- my criticism mainly comes from the placement in the book, yeah, and its relation to the characters and them not being developed yet. So I agree, and I think it's almost interesting that she met in the memoir. She talks about like that some a- another girl had been raped and then killed in that tunnel. So maybe this was like that girl's story. I'm sure this was like the inspiration yeah. and the birth of this idea for a larger story. And maybe mm-hmm. what would happen if that had been me and yeah. my family. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, you can kind of see the seed of that maybe in this, in, in her real life experience. Yeah. Uh, Susie goes to a kind of heaven. Yes. Which should we talk about first? Um, Book. Yeah. The origin. The first one. <laughs> Let's see. I was, weirdly i was confused by several elements of this story yeah the way it was described at the beginning when she talks about my heaven yeah this is my heaven i was confused at first whether the other people occupying it were Were real real people or just constructions of her heaven yeah and that would it took a while before i realized before i fully understood okay these are real 
other people, then how does her heaven work exactly? Mm-hmm. It's kind of vague and kind of weird. It is weird. It's almost like whatever you want your heaven to be, it just becomes. And then other people are there also who have that same idea. Maybe it just kind of intersects with other people's heavens. Like yeah. you could walk over there like another neighborhood. I don't know. It, but she also has a, what, what would you call it? Like a uh, a counselor or an, an in- intake counselor. Yeah. Like, oh, uh, let's see. We got a new client here. Just, <laughs> just came in. Uh, yeah. Murdered. OK, let's. Um, This is heaven. Like almost showing her around like a guidance counselor. What's her name? Franny. 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 Yeah. Who is not much of a character in any way. No. I was annoyed because there's a couple air quotes characters in heaven. Yeah. But they don't. They don't function do as characters or even like they're so rarely brought up that it's jarring when they are. Yeah. You're like, who the fuck are you? What, what is this? What What's <laughs> yeah. going on? Yeah. Also, is she another soul that died or is she an angel? An angel. Or... Like a caseworker angel. <laughs> <laughs> well, you find out that like f- apparently there's like a throwaway line in there that's like, yeah, on Earth, Franny was like a social worker. And now oh, that's right. her heaven is just dealing with more work. <laughs> <laughs> she just loved her job so much. I'm like, do you, heaven... really, do you really have enough people on the on Earth that like want to do this to like actually make it work in like a bureaucracy in heaven? Like, how does the structure of this work? Yeah, what's her pay too? Yeah. And don't tell me it's like in what doing a good benefits? job. <laughs> yeah, does she does she have dental? Does she get days off? Uh uh she also has a roommate named Holly. Holly. Uh is this where we should talk about Holly? So in the movie, they actually turn Holly into a character. And I actually kind of liked what they did with Holly's character mm-hmm. in the movie. In the movie, you find out... Um, at first, she's just this random girl in Susie's heaven. Like, the only person that Susie sees in yeah. her in her in-between or whatever heaven. But um, then you find out she was actually another girl that Mr. Harvey had killed in the past. I thought this was effective. Although, even after we figure that out, we don't see her again. No. Really? So then it's like, well, I would have liked to have heard from her again because now she's more interesting all of a sudden. Yeah. But she's gone. Mm-hmm. But I did like that reveal that, oh, she was another victim. And yeah. it maybe makes sense that she would be the one to try to guide Susie, Susie and mm-hmm. it, through this uh, transition, purgatory kind of transition. Yeah. Yeah. But in the book, uh, Holly is Asian American. Mm hmm. But she has, her name wasn't Holly on Earth. No. She changed it to sound more American. Yeah. Also, she named herself after Holly Golightly, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Ah, uh, yes. And she had an accent of some sort on Earth. I forget. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, but then she didn't want one when she was in heaven. Yeah. So she has no accent in heaven. Yeah. Thus, we have the first racial problem of this story. Misstep, Misstep. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's fine for her to be Asian American. Of course. But it's weird that this side character who literally pops up at the beginning and then we never hear from her again. No. We get this one detail that she hates her Asian heritage and has completely like white-ified her culture in heaven. Yeah. Her perfect idea of herself in heaven, her ideal world is her without her family's name, without her family's heritage, and without without her family's accent. 
And this isn't like you said, this isn't the buildup of a character. No, this isn't like a character arc for her. No. She doesn't like realize and accept it later. In fact, like, that's it. This is the beginning and end of her character. That's all. She is mentioned a little bit after that. Yeah. But for this to be the only thing about the character that's I, mentioned. Yeah. As soon as I read it, I'm like, that's weird. That's yeah. like a not that's not good. That's not great. No, <laughs> no. Um, and it goes back to like something that we've discussed in writing, you know, creating diverse characters like don't just do it for the diversity, you know, give us a diverse character and have it be part of her story. Yeah. But this is not part of her story. Nothing happens. Yeah. If, if her heritage, I've actually been reading about this lately it's, and it's interesting how, you know, at first I thought, oh, writing should talk about diverse characters and include them. Uh, but then after reading some stuff about it, I've read other opinions that are like, no, don't do that because then they're just token characters. Yeah. If their heritage or their ethnic background is a part of them, then then it's worth bringing up and adding to the story. But leave it open ended where people can read into their characters, racial makeup, however they want to and mm-hmm. identify it with themselves or others. So my opinion on this has kind of changed a bit. And this is an instance where her heritage is not only brought up without reason, but it's actually like brought up as a, as a, as a problem. Yeah. So, and then it's just not dealt with. It's not great. (laughs) No. And she's not the only one, but we'll get to that in a bit. Yeah. Um, in the movie, Susie's heaven is actually called the in between. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it is like you said, kind of like a purgatory, where she sort of has to deal with her shit on Earth before she can go to, like, the actual heaven. Yeah, she has to be able to, like, let go fully. Yeah, and I, I kind of like this idea. It is very similar to the book because she's in, like, a kind of, like, limited heaven. She talks about there being, like, a wide heaven yeah. that she can go to later, but she has to let go of stuff on Earth. But I think the concept is almost better illustrated in being, like, in an in-between. Yeah, and her first decision is to kind of, like, be... No, I need to figure stuff out first before moving on. Yeah. So that's kind of in her character arc. Yeah. In a way, that's kind of her first incident or first decision. I'm sorry. That kind of leads into like the middle of the story. Yeah. But her heaven. So interesting fact. Apparently heaven looks a lot like uh computer desktop backgrounds from the early 2000s <laughs> full of oversaturated. CGI wonderland. Full of oversaturated landscapes poorly photoshopped together and like just wild, weird, unnecessary things. Yeah. Like in the book, Susie's heaven is literally like the high school. Yeah. She never got to go. So she like always imagines being near the high school. So she lives in a house that's like near the high school. She walks around the fields. There's like soccer, tons of like sports. That's her heaven. It's so weird that the book version would have made for a much lower cost film. I know. <laughs> but Peter Jackson's like, nope. fuck that. Get me poor green screen CGI backgrounds full of big bottled ships. Okay, can we have her running through a cornfield, but then she's like drowning in water also at the same time? <laughs> yeah, there were parts that I thought were more effective than others. Um, mostly the things I found effective where, for example, so when she's viewing the Earth, a lot of times she's from a gazebo. Yeah. She, she's in a gazebo and kind of like viewing the Earth. Mm-hmm. And there's a scene 
where she's in her gazebo viewing a cornfield. Mm-hmm. And at one point she's running along another character in the cornfield. And suddenly the gazebo is almost, it's just like a railing. And it's kind of this, it looks like a porch almost. It's kind of like stretched out as she runs along. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of this physical set that's like an abstraction of her on the gazebo. Yeah. And I liked that. I kind of, you know, her being there, it's not a CGI wacky thing, but it's a representation of her being around. And I wish the movie just did that more. Yeah. Instead of putting her weird. In all these weird sets. Yeah. Just put her actually there as like a ghost just kind of hovering around. Yeah. Observing, but Mm -hmm. not anyone being able to see her. Yeah. Like, what about that wild the montage montage of her and Holly, like just cavorting through heaven. The goddamn montage. <laughs> this thing blew my mind. Like uh, it, it, it just. What are they riding on? Like they're on some kind hedge of hedge animals or something. Oh, there was like it was suddenly like I, I was saying this is now Su- Susie in the sky with diamonds. Yeah, because her and Holly are on a sled in the mountains, like CGI mountains going crazy. Yeah, they're dance. They're dressed in 70s outfits, dancing on records. Oh, and there's like a photo shoot of that. Yeah. yeah, and they're on the cover. And I'm like, what is any of this? <laughs> and they gallivant and do this for a montage. And then it's back to Susie. In her gazebo. On the gazebo, and they never do anything like that ever again. Yeah. And and you're like, was You're this- like, could you be doing this the whole time, Susie? But instead you're like, uh, I'm gonna like sit in this cornfield. Like Also, if this isn't heaven, what is heaven? <laughs> <laughs> like, this isn't heaven, but you can literally do, do whatever you anything want. you want. Yeah. Like at any point. Yeah. What <laughs> what what is this? What's happening? I don't know. It's really weird. It was so absurd and just weirdly executed. It was. But luckily it was for one montage. And, and then, then we were done. And then you can get over it. <laughs> but those are Susie's two heavens. Mm-hmm. So then let's talk a little bit about. Earth again. The fallout. Mm-hmm. While Susie's out living it up, dancing on records <laughs> uh, and having a photo shoot on Seventeen Magazine. Her distraught family is back on Earth. Totally wrecked. Totally not dealing. It, I'm, and I can like really see how this could like really tear a family apart, especially not getting like the closure they need. They never find her body. Yeah. In the book, it's so weird. They actually find an elbow. Yeah. Did you understand what they meant by elbow? Like, is it the middle portion of her whole arm? I'm guessing. Okay. Yeah. Because if they said like, we found like part of her arm. I feel like that would be like the hand, the arm, and then up to the elbow. I just didn't know if they meant like part of her, the bone that is like the elbow mm. or, I mean, I know that's not really a separate bone. I well, don't know. The dog found it. The dog. Yeah. The dog found it. So the dog had to be able to like pick it up. Ugh. It was just weird. I'm like, why not like a hand or a foot? Why an yeah. elbow? That's such a bizarre choice. I think because an elbow implies that her whole body has been maybe dismembered. Like there's no chance that. Yeah. I mean, there could be a chance like that he could have just cut off like her arm and like that's the elbow is just left. But it's like if they just found a hand, they could be like, well, she just lost a hand. Like she's fine. That's true. Yeah. I, I, I. That makes sense, I guess. In the movie, they don't find the elbow. They just find a lot of blood out in the cornfield. And the implication is, like, it's too much blood that 
she could have survived. Yeah. So, uh, but essentially her dad becomes kind of obsessed with trying to find out who killed her. Understandably. Of course. In the movie, he has a good line where he's like, I know Susie wouldn't have just gone with anyone. Yeah. It had to have been someone she knows. Although that's assuming that she wasn't taken by force. Yeah. But anyway, so this kind of like narrows his focus and Mm -hmm. he's like researching into people and trying to figure out who in the neighborhood. Yeah. In the book, in the book, in the book, (laughs) in the book, he narrows his sights almost immediately. Yeah. On Mr. Harvey, the guy who did it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I feel like this was weird on Mr. Harvey's part because they're literally like neighbors. Yeah. Like they're only a couple yeah. houses down. Like, why would he kill someone that only lived like a couple houses down from him? Like, that seems very stupid on his part. There's... And he's very like careful about what he does. Like when we sure. hear about him disposing of Susie's body and hiding the evidence, he's very thorough. Mm-hmm. So for him to have targeted her in the first place is kind of like he talks about going to this park where lots of kids are all the time because he's just a crazy person and likes to watch children because he wants to kill them. And I'm like, why didn't he just like take one of those random people? Yeah, it was there's why a, someone that they there's could like a, link him to a lot of his history that's brought up later that just doesn't really add up to for me. Like he always kills someone who is well, not always. Sometimes yeah. it's just random people. But plenty of them have been people he's, like, known to some extent. Yeah, like, he kills his landlady. Yeah. It's like he would be the first suspect in that, like, crime, like, a woman that he rented from, like. Yeah, they would immediately look in. And they describe him. And this is another thing. They describe him as being kind of a a nomad. Yeah. You know, picking up and moving somewhere else and kind of traveling around and never settling one place too long. But he has a house on this street. Yeah. And, and how long has he lived there? Yeah, it's not very clear. Yeah. Because everyone trusts him enough. Like, it's made to seem like he's lived there a decent Yeah, like, everyone's like, he's kind of weird, but he's fine. Like, we know him. He's, like, normal. Yeah, so for him to kill someone near him and then be like, ah, yeah, I'm not moving, though. Yeah. It's just bizarre. Like, it kind of didn't add up for me. No. So, I, I agree. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, because... It wasn't making a whole lot of sense. And another issue I have is there's this weird duality where a lot of people are like, yeah, I thought he was totally fine. Like what? You know, he's just kind yeah. of a weird, nice old man, like the the police that talk to him and a lot of the neighbors. But then Lindsay and her dad yeah. are both immediately like, oh, he's suspicious. he did it. Was it was him. Yeah. And they're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like they're not wrong. No. But they both immediately. But they don't have reason to. No. They Besides don't. like the dog barking outside his house. And this is such a stupid thing because uh, I'm all for, on one hand, trusting your instincts. Yeah. Like if you're uncomfortable by someone in the situation mm-hmm. and you don't want to be around them, like just leave. Yeah. Like, trust that. Like Susie at the beginning. Like yeah. if someone's making you uncomfortable, just leave. Mm-hmm. But characters throughout this story, like they'll see Mr. Harvey from like 30 feet away, have not said anything to him. And they're like, uh, I don't like him. <laughs> he gives me like the skeevies. Yeah. Like, but. Okay, but you should also just judge people yeah. <laughs> for no reason. Like, you don't know him. Yeah. So it was a weird thing where 
I, I, I don't know. They She wanted to have her cake and eat it, too. Like, yeah. uh, the author of the story, where he's both this embodiment of evil that everyone can detect. But then the police interview him, and they're like, okay, seems like a normal guy. Yeah, and totally under the radar. Yeah. So that bothered me a bit mm-hmm. about Mr. Harvey. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, while the dad is, like, searching for Susie's killer, the mom is like, um, yeah, can we just pretend this never happened? And also, I'm going to sleep with... Len. <laughs> the detective. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this was an omission from the movie. Yeah. Probably to keep the rating down, but out of a... I think to keep the mom likable. Maybe, yeah, probably. But out of... Yeah. Because they would have to really get into, like, a side plot here if she had an affair. It's already bad enough because, spoiler alert, she leaves her family. Yeah. Which already makes her pretty unlikable, unlikable mm-hmm. given the circumstances. So for her to sleep with the detective that's investigating her daughter's murder. Yeah. Yeah. Is kind of <laughs> maybe maybe they're right. Maybe that's too much. To- so in this case, like I do not blame the mom at all because she's dealing with something horrifying and she doesn't know how to deal with all these emotions. And so she's trying to find this like numbness Are in talking- this affair. Uh, in the affair, okay. Yeah. yeah. I blame that goddamn detective. Yeah. Because he knows she's in a vulnerable spot and he's literally taking advantage of her. He absolutely and is. And also, he is investigating her daughter's murder. And so that is like absolutely a conflict of interest and he could be fired for doing that. For sure. But he's a widower. Oh, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> like he's meant to be like this pathetic, sad figure. I'm like, one, you're not doing your job because you haven't found the killer. Two, you're sleeping with a victim in this case like no wonder you're not finding any clues you're too busy like oh like she's so pretty like mm, maybe come meet at the mall and have sex the like, sorrow in her eyes of her losing a daughter just makes her so attractive yeah i'm like what is wrong with you and not that characters can't be problematic but this was never really addressed with the weight that it deserved in my no. opinion yeah it was just kind of like ah he's sad and she's sad and they're finding solace in each other but He's no, taking advantage of her. He is. He absolutely is. And and that should have been, I, I think, treated better. At a certain point, though, uh, her mother, Abigail, just can't really do this anymore. And it's the, the book does a pretty good job of establishing her character as someone who had a lot of ambitions, a lot of dreams. Didn't quite want to be a mom, but sort of fell into it as you do sometimes mm-hmm. without access to birth control and under the thumb of the patriarchy. <laughs> so, um, and was kind of like, you know, struggling with this role, I think. Yeah. And then she had their youngest son, Buckley at a later stage, uh, than her other two daughters, like yeah. Buckley's younger. And I think that really, and the movie kind of does a decent job of like establishing this at the beginning mm-hmm. with, her reading, I forget what the book was at the beginning. In Probably bed. Virginia Woolf. Yeah, and then she's having sex with uh, her husband, Jack. And then it fl- cuts forward, what, like 14 years or yeah. however many years. Mm-hmm. And then she's reading books on cooking and, and like parenting. And, and housekeeping. Mm-hmm. And her and her husband, of course, are like way too tired and sad to have sex <laughs> anymore. <laughs> As you do with children. <laughs> so they do give a, a decent kind of shading of that in the movie. Yeah. And the mo- and the book does spend a lot of time establishing the struggle in her. Yeah. So when she leaves, even though it's super shitty. Yeah. It felt at least established and not like total like you were mad at her, but you still kind of sympathized. Yeah. Because I mean, losing a child is. Oh, yeah. Life altering and, you know, 
But she also abandoned her two other kids and her husband. So yeah, one of her kids, which is Buckley, was four years old at the time. Mm -hmm. Five. I don't know how old he was. But I think that my problem with this is that no one else really acts in a similar fashion Mm -hmm. In, in a similar like fucked up like but understandable fashion like the dad is like oh i'm just gonna like grow closer to my son (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna take this opportunity to just get closer to my son and also like still try to find Susie's killer and Lindsay is like okay i'm gonna just like be my best version of myself and have a boyfriend who i just i want to have sex with sooner than i maybe would want to otherwise but that's still like not the worst thing in the world no and then i don't know it's just like the mom is the only one who like makes these poor decisions in the light of her grief so i was just kind of like yeah the dad is his struggles are more like sympathized in a way because he's on a path for justice yeah yeah with a baseball bat yeah uh speaking of Lindsay, though she gets a boyfriend at this time Mm -hmm. and just kind of falls into her grief with him and just wants to she's really ignoring what's happening yeah she in the book is kind of keeping a stone face to everything trying not to react going out with her boyfriend samuel yeah and you know they have sex early on this is another thing that bothered me a little bit though both the mom and Lindsay. Lindsay kind of fall into having sex as a way of numbing themselves while her dad doesn't yeah and you're like hmm yeah, just the fact that that's like split gender wise in the story is a little kind of. Were you disappointed that Buckley didn't? I really think Buckley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Buckley should have had an affair for sure, I think. <laughs> no, but and especially because I thought for a minute when her dad visits Ray's mom. Yeah. There was something there. I'm like, are they going to bang? Mm-hmm. Cause I really wanted them to bang kind of, but then yeah. they didn't bang. No, and I was disappointed based on <laughs> the bang to not bang ratio. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he should have gotten to bang if his wife got to bang. Yeah, for sure. So talking about Ray though. Yes. Um, Ray and then Ruth becomes a character and Ruth is the girl that, as Susie died, she kind of like flew past Ruth on her way to heaven Mm -hmm. and like, just like touched her briefly. And I don't know if it's simply because of that touch or if Ruth kind of had this gift beforehand and it was kind of heightened by Susie's touch, but she has this connection to Susie, um, knows that she's kind of around still can kind of sense her. And also you find out later that Ruth can see and like sense places where other women have died yeah was it just me or is that element of it brought up much later it was yeah because by that point i'm like wait she can do that is she a psychic is this gonna be like a spinoff where she is a detective solving cold cases based on why isn't this story about ruth solving otherworldly yeah (laughs) yeah i I was a little mixed. I wish it was just more inherently connected to Susie. Yeah. I didn't see a need for her to have this power to see other deaths and people dying. And because it kind of tries to create this, it's trying to create some kind of message about women and children in general being abused and killed and victims. Whereas I think the actual plot doesn't really 
justify that. Mm -hmm. The plot is really just about Susie. Yeah. But then from Ruth's perspective near the end of the book, it tries to almost create this idea that like, no, this is about women in general being the victims of crimes, the crimes and murders. And it just felt very heavy handed there. Yeah. Kind of weirdly. So, yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. Um, at this point, Ruth and Ray kind of like find solace in each other. Yeah. Because they both cared for Susie in a way and feel tied to her death. And Ray is still kind of getting over the fact that he really liked her and he thought they had something. And then the potential of that is gone. It's not necessarily that they were in love, but the potential of what they could have had has been like ripped from him forever. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Should we also about Ruth? What? I was so mixed on her character throughout the entire story. She's at some point she just felt overly dark and angsty. Yeah, I get she had this connection to Susie and it's kind of justified based on that, based on this, like her running into her ghost. But she's just like writing poetry about Susie. Yeah. For a long time. And then just seems generally like goth. Yeah. The whole story. And I'm like, you're just so melodramatic, Ruth. Like, at, yeah. at, at points, I felt that way. Mm-hmm. Also, Ruth's sexuality, she's, uh, I think, identifies as lesbian. Yeah. Uh, she talks about being attracted to women and wanting to be with women. But then she has kind of a relationship that forms between her and Ray. Yeah. And, you know, not that there's anything wrong with being bisexual, of course, but... This element wasn't brought up. It wasn't handled very well. No. And that's kind of my problem with some of the characters in this story. Mm -hmm. Is that there are a lot of characters. And I think the problem is that, like, we have Susie as a character. And I think the author does a pretty decent job of trying to flesh out Susie's character, even though she's already dead. Yeah. So she's, like, trying to make her a character, but also the narrator... And so it's a lot a lot is going into Susie's character, but then we also have like the mom, the dad, Lindsay, Buckley, Ray, Ruth, Harvey, like all these other people. And I feel like the characters end up becoming really flat. Yeah. And I don't know if like enough t- we don't get enough time spent with really getting to know these specific characters. I'd say like the mom is pretty fleshed out. Yeah. Probably more than anyone. Um, yeah. But you know, we just have like a characterization of Lindsay. She's like, oh, she like pretends this didn't happen. And then she has this great relationship with this boyfriend, but we don't really talk about like anything beyond that. And then like we have Ruth and she's probably a lesbian, but let's not like talk about that at all. And then like we have Ray's mom who like is like, oh, I should get a divorce from my husband who's not around. And I'm like, we don't even know who she is. Like we know (laughs) nothing about her. So I felt like she was trying to create depth in these characters with these like facets of their personality, but it just didn't feel like it really fit. No. And for example, the Ray Ruth relationship. Yeah. Her being attracted to Ray is never brought up as any kind of a conflict with how she feels about her sexuality. It's not like, Oh, maybe I'm bisexual. And she thinks about that in an interesting way. It's just almost like, Oh no, of course she's attracted to a, a man in a way like it's just kind of glossed over like well yeah that's not weird yeah so yeah it just felt i i I totally agree with what you're saying the mom maybe had the most consistent character yeah uh everyone else was either not like specific enough one character trait kind of Mm -hmm. flat 
Buckley's interesting in terms of in the book we see him grow. Yeah. And kind of how he deals with a lot of the shit that's happened. But nobody else really changes much. Not particularly. Yeah. So, yeah. Also, by the way, Ray's mom is the other character who's kind of racially... Uh, what's problematic? The, problematic, I, I, I suppose. Ray is um, Middle Eastern. I don't know if they yeah, I think, specify from India. I yeah, think. yeah. Um, and his mom is like very exoticized. Exoticized, yeah. Where like the police come to interview them because they kind of suspect Ray at one point because he had an interest in Susie, and they're all like in love with her. She smokes exotic cigarettes. They're like looking into her dark eyes and they're mesmerized. So she's very like this seductress type Middle Eastern woman. Yeah, and she was a dancer and she's always like stretching and being flexible. And it's not as, I would say, like as overtly bad as Holly's character and the way her race was handled. But this is another instance where... This is the only... So these are the only two characters... That have like any diversity. Yeah. Besides Ruth being a possible lesbian. And their whole characters hinge around that aspect of their identity this, pretty much. Yeah. Is is this these cliches about their racial backgrounds. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just wanted to bring that was our our exhibit B in our <laughs> in our case against this story not being the most uh racially sensitive. Yeah. That being said, where are we the cornfield incident yeah basically her dad just gets real upset and he chases a flashlight into a cornfield yeah where he runs into a girl that we kind of know but also don't know from the story (laughs) that's a great description (laughs) (laughs) like we know her but also we don't know her. no we don't (laughs) and then her boyfriend who we don't know even less yeah or more uh (laughs) finds her dad because he runs into this girl, and then the boyfriend just beats the shit out of him. Yep. And also Mr. Harvey's creeping in the background. Yeah, he's just chilling like the flashlight is on him, and he's like, eh. There's a part, there's a part in the movie, and I'm sorry we haven't talked much about the movie, but that's because not much happens in the movie. No, a lot of CGI. <laughs> a lot of CGI. Um, but in the movie, uh, her dad is specifically following Mr. Harvey. Yeah. Like he sees him into the cornfield. And the shots are so funny because it's just Mr. Harvey walking down the sidewalk and 50 feet behind him is just Mark, Mark Wahlberg, Wahlberg with his baseball bat, like <laughs> running in in the light of the street lights, just <laughs> not inconspicuous at all following him. Yeah. It made me LOL out loud. Uh, also, speaking of like scenes between them, there's a scene where he kind of like goes into Mr. Harvey's yard and then they build this structure together. And this happens in the book. And this is kind of the scene where the dad realizes that Mr. Harvey is probably the killer. He's giving him Mm -hmm. like real weird vibes. Um, But in the movie, it's like turned up to a hundred. We get this scene where they're talking and her dad, Mark Wahlberg starts giving him weird looks. And then he picks a dead rose and we get these flashbacks to a scene we've already seen yeah. with Susie riding her bike around while her dad talked to Mr. Harvey across the, f- the flower bed. Mm-hmm. And between him looking at the flower and shots of this flashback and then Mr. Mr. Harvey, Harvey looking at him, this lasted like five minutes. It was so long. With this swelling music 
of him realizing there's such little subtlety no. to the way the scene was it's handled. It's like, no, we've already seen this scene. We, like, remember. Like, you can just flash back to it once and we can be like, okay, yeah, you get it. Like, Yeah, and first of all, his realization is grounded in almost nothing. Like, yeah, like, oh, my oh God. that one time that I talked to him <laughs> and Susie was there taking a picture he was looking at Susie. He looked at her. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was grounded in nothing. Like the like realization said. is nothing. Yeah. Yet we spend five minutes <laughs> having it, having, <laughs> having this non-realization. Uh, and this is a big problem I had with a lot of the movie is there's very little subtlety with a lot of the stuff and scenes like that. There are a handful of scenes like that that are dragged out. They're for so, so long. Long. So you guys have seen Lord of the Rings, right? So this is like that scene in Lord of the Rings when Frodo almost gets killed by like the Nazgul and then like Arwen rescues him and takes him and he's like fainting and then he kind of like wakes up and he's in Rivendell Mm -hmm. and Elrond's above him like trying to heal him and then he wakes up and Gandalf's there and then all the other hobbits come in and they're all like clinging to each other and like the music and it almost feels like a dream like the light is weird like it's very like this was like the whole movie like imagine that one (laughs) oh my god that's a great way of describing it all of the movie and that's the lovely bones (laughs) (laughs) this has been my this has been adina's hot takes (laughs) that's such a great way of putting it yeah and it's funny because those scenes in lord of the rings are kind of cheesy they are but they're effective like uh, he ri- and they don't happen very often. No. He rides that line of just doing that stuff the right amount mm-hmm. and it feeling kind of old school cheesy, but in the best way and you like it and yeah. you buy into it. But in this movie, it was just ugh. those effects and the flashbacks and like the coloring of what you're looking at. It felt sentimental, schmalzy and like weird. Hmm. I didn't like it. Bringing out the uh, the, the the reviewer terms. <laughs> mm, <laughs> schmaltzy. High, highfalutin and schmaltzy. Yeah. But I totally agree. And and there's another scene that's ridiculous we'll talk about later. But And, and different scenes have varying degrees of success. Yeah. One, one of them that we're getting to anyway, Lindsay decides to break into his house. Yes. Mr. Harvey's house. Mr. Harvey's house for evidence. Yeah. Because she's like, he's real weird. I know he did it. I'm going to I'm going to just prove it. So we get a scene in the book and the movie. Uh, The book, I was, I'm not a huge fan of the writing style of Mm -hmm. this book, partly because there are so many asides to flashbacks and memories and things that this scene that should kind of be tense of her breaking into this guy's house, the tension is totally broken up by these like total like Susie aside, Susie asides yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of her remembering something that happened like 10 years ago. And so I, I just wasn't, I didn't feel suspense at all in this scene in the mm-hmm. book. The movie does it well. The movie ramps it up to a hundred. Yeah. Cause she gets upstairs and finds a book with underneath Su- a floor, uh, under a floorboard with Susie's hair in it, like yeah. evidence. And of course, Mr. Harvey comes back into the house and Mm -hmm. is like downstairs and Lindsay isn't leaving right away. She's like still looking at the book and all the sound editing of this is so perfect because like even her hand following the edge of the paper Uh is like super loud. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And everything's real quiet. And there's a part where Lindsay's going to take the book and she's putting the floorboard back in. Mm hmm. And Mr. Harvey's just he knows something's wrong because he found glass in the basement. Yeah. And he's standing there listening and it keeps cutting back from her lowering the floorboard back <laughs> to him listening. 
Lower, lower, lower. Drops it. (laughs) (laughs) And it is dragged out for so long that it's almost funny. Like I was almost laughing at it. But it was it was effective still. Like it was, it was. still really well done. Where you're yeah. like, I was holding my breath because it's dead silence. And then when she drops the floorboard and he hears and he runs upstairs and she's freaking out and she like gets out of a window and falls rolls to the ground. down the porch roof and then falls to the ground. And I was so happy because in the book she does the same thing when she lands on the ground. She like ran into some bushes. Yeah, she's like, Oh my god, I'm fine. I'm not hurt. I can't believe it. And she like gets away. In the movie, she lands right on her back and is like, "That's a wind knocked out." Yeah, of her. yeah, the, can't yeah. get up. And I'm like, "That would happen." Yeah, and Mr. Harvey's like getting closer and closer. She finally gets up right when he's like at the door, about to like grab her. Yeah, gets away. Um, in the movie, this is also the moment that the mom comes back because she's like, "Oh, I heard that you got your knee bashed in from that." one youth in a cornfield. <laughs> I decided to come back from California. I was there this whole time. We don't know how long it's been. Like we're unsure of the time lapse here. Yeah. Um, but Lindsay gets the evidence and she's like, okay, I'm going to turn this into the police. My family's reunited. Great. Yeah. Uh, cut to, so in this, the, one of the differences book and movie in the book, Mr. Harvey gets rid of Susie, uh, Susie's body right away. Yeah. He has it in a safe mm-hmm. that he closes and he takes to a sinkhole. Yeah. And pays to just throw it in the sinkhole. And it's like a known sinkhole. Yeah. So like everyone in the neighborhood, Susie talks about her family going there and putting like an old refrigerator that doesn't work, like throwing it in there. Mm-hmm. And you have to pay the guy that owns the sinkhole to put your stuff in there. Yeah. And the detectives didn't go to the sinkhole <laughs> and they weren't like, hey, has anyone in the past week dumped anything that could possibly contain a body? No, they did not do that at all. Did anyone eye to eye hand you money? Yeah. And be like, with I got a that is shaped this like giant a large safe. container. And they're like, what's in it? And he's like, I don't know. I don't know the combination. I can't open it. And they're like, that seems legit. <laughs> <laughs> you seem trustworthy. Yeah. So that happened at the beginning of the book in the movie or in the, it happened at the beginning of the book in the movie. He's had the safe in his basement this whole time. Yeah. So then he decides to drive it out now that he's kind of been discovered. Yeah. Now that Lindsay has this book that has a lock of her hair in it, of Susie's hair in it there. He's like, I got to get out of here and get rid of the body, mm-hmm. which is weird because he he runs away anyway. Yeah. So why bother? To get, like, dispose of the body at this point. Um, I'm not sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good point. It's kind of like, he's fleeing the town. Like, yeah. <laughs> everyone's gonna know he fucking did it anyway. Yeah. And, I don't and, and know, she maybe... has she has the hair. She has the book with the hair. Yeah, yeah. Why? Why? <laughs> I don't know. That's a good point. That's a really good point. I didn't think about yeah. that. Yeah. So, that's not gonna stop Peter Jackson from showing us... Him oh my God! Rolling a safe for ten minutes—it's literally like at least five minutes long. He he drives up with the safe. He pays the guy, and then the guys—they're both like, kind of like flipping it towards this sinkhole. Yeah, he's like, "You need help?" He's like, "Yeah." So they keep like turning it over on one side to the other, flat. It's a one big side safe. To the yeah, it's a big safe, and then. This is where Ruth lives too. Yeah, and her and Ray are at the house, kind of watching what's going on. So we're intercutting the safe flipping with Ruth and Ray, and then also what Susie's doing up in heaven. Yeah. And it keeps returning to funk, funk, 
But this is another dramatized scene with like the light and the music and like, and it was hilarious. And I'm like, like laughing about how absurd it is. And then in that moment, (laughs) Dino is just like, why didn't they just park the car closer to the hole? (laughs) (laughs) And Ian just like cracked up laughing. I laughed so hard because it didn't even occur to me. They're parked like 30 feet from the hole and they're flipping the safe. I mean, Maybe they couldn't, maybe they didn't want to drive too close to the hole. I don't know, but it was just ridiculous. It was so ridiculous. And it made me laugh so much. (laughs) Um, But essentially, he gets the safe in the hole, and we get a scene of it tumbling in and then, like, sinking into the bottom. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, Susie decides to go poltergeist, and she takes over Ruth's body. (laughs) At this point, Ruth, like, faints. Mm -hmm. And then Susie somehow takes over, yeah, Ruth's body. And then Ray's like, are you okay, Ruth? Like, are you okay? And she's like, it's me, Susie. (laughs) Yeah. And this is the weird thing. As if to prove to Ray that it's Susie, she mentions the love letter that he wrote for her. Yeah. But Ruth found that. Ruth found the letter and gave it to Ray. She knew what was written on the letter. She already knew, yeah. So (laughs) she wasn't telling him anything. That doesn't prove anything. Yeah. Um, But like in the movie, they have it actually be Susie. Like, Ruth's form changes to be Shersha Ronan. Do you think that was real? I thought that was just metaphorical. I mean, I think it's to show us that it's actually her. Oh, yeah. 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 But I don't think Ray was seeing. No. That. Yeah. Maybe. Which makes it weird that he he kissed her. Yeah. And then they kiss. And like, it's this whole thing where Susie was like, I never got my first kiss. Yeah. I always wanted it. And then she gets his first kiss and then that's kind of like what she needs to be able to move on and to go to like the actual heaven. I mean, aren't there people to kiss in heaven? <laughs> aren't there? You have all of history of people. Yeah, I mean, to if, kiss. if like you can do whatever you want, if you can be on the cover of Seventeen, can't you like kiss a cute boy? Like, yeah. Also, if that's what she needed to move on, she's really fucking lucky that she was friends with like a mystic like otherworldly person connected to the afterlife yeah. how, how else would she have like done that had any closure yeah you know yeah it's kind of one of those things where the movie kind of makes it seem like how do i want to put it it's like a lot of times movies take this angle of like there's a protagonist in a bigger situation but they're special because yeah. their will is the strongest. Mm, okay. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It's like in an alien movie. What, what was that movie? The host with yeah. that where people Stephanie take Meyer. Stephanie Meyer, people take over people's brains, but like one girl has like the strongest will cause she's in love or something. Yeah. But I always hate that. Cause it's like, wait, so is Susie's will stronger than like all the other girls that were murdered? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, why didn't they take over Ruth's body? Yeah. Why didn't they all take over Ruth's body and all kiss Ray? And I'll be like, kiss me, Ray. <laughs> Listen, I know you don't know me. Okay. My name is uh, Jessica. <laughs> but yeah, I don't. This movie kind of took that angle a little bit. And I, I'm never a big fan of that. But she gets to have her kiss and she gets to move on. Mm-hmm. And then that's pretty much it. And that's like her family gets to move on. Mm-hmm. Her, her parents know, are reunited. Time goes by. Life is good. Mr. Harvey eats it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, an icicle falls on him and he tumbles backwards. Off. So the icicle doesn't kill him. It just knocks him off balance. And then he falls down a cliff. <laughs> so um, fun fact. Originally, the icicle in the 
the icicle hits him and he just fell backwards and uh-huh. that's like all you saw. Uh-huh. But that didn't test very well with like <laughs> sc- test screenings with test audiences because they were like, what? Like, that's it? Like, what? So then <laughs> they went back and filmed this violent fall. He like falls down this cliff. <laughs> he He's like, like standing on the precipice of a mountain. <laughs> he like plinkos down like <laughs> 20 rocks and then just like <laughs> hits the bottom. And you're like, oh yeah, he's dead. <laughs> He dead. (laughs) He real dead. (laughs) So I just thought I would have much rather had him just like silently falling backwards and like, that's it. You know what I mean? Like, I think that would have been much more almost otherworldly and kind of creepy. Like, and then maybe like a close up of his like twisted body at the bottom, but not like seeing him fall. Yeah. Or just like establish the long fall. Yeah. And then just show him. Like, he just falls off the face of the earth almost. Yeah. Because he's so shitty. Yeah. I, I like that idea better. I'm kind of mad they changed it, but, mm-hmm. you know, test screenings. Yeah. <laughs> they just wanted him to die. Yeah. More violently. More violently. Um, yeah, that's... That's that's the movie. Uh, in the book, so we talked about Susie, Susie's mom taking off, mm-hmm. and she doesn't come back. In fact, eight years go by. And Eight she's just years. been gone the whole time. And nothing has happened with her. She hasn't done anything. She just works in a winery. She hasn't met anyone. She's no. not like living a different life. I thought she's that was so unbelievable. Nothing. That, yeah, like, she's doing nothing. And especially because like she kind of like left to like pursue her own career and passion. And then she doesn't do anything. And she doesn't do, not only doesn't she do that, she just doesn't meet anyone or do anything. And yet she's still like, oh, I can't go back home. Go back home. Yeah. You have kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, eight years passed. And honestly, this was the point in the book that I became more interested. Me too. Because there was something so sad and poignant about this girl who's still like kind of 14 in heaven, watching her sister grow older than her and her family grow older and her still being around. Yeah. And that just being very sad, but still kind of sweet and beautiful in a way that she's still with them yeah to an extent like even all those years later she still like Mm -hmm. cares about them and is with them and i was just genuinely interested by what was going on with them at that point like even though i was annoyed with the mom like you know she's still gone that's crazy and what's going on with the dad and yeah uh, her dad actually suffers a heart attack Mm -hmm. you know they establish his like history of uh heart disease in his family yeah and he suffers one and we see how Buckley grew up. And how he resents his mom, understandably, mm-hmm. because she abandoned him and like really cares about his dad and like yeah. worries about him. And then like Lindsay and she and Samuel are still together and they're going to get married. And then like the grandma moved in with them and kind of like helped them get over and move on after their mother left. Yeah. And I think one of my biggest problems with the book in general is. It almost, it doesn't trick you necessarily, but at the beginning, you're kind of thinking, you know, she's murdered by this creep guy who lives in their neighborhood. Yeah. And the dad's trying to figure out who it is, and the sister gets involved, and it's kind of fooling you into thinking that this is a detective whodunit kind of- Yeah, murder mystery. Murder mystery for the truth kind of thing, Uh, but it never- paid off well in that way in my mind no because you know harvey takes off 
just like in the movie, pretty much after Lindsay gets the notebook. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's just like br- riding around the Northeast, like Connecticut area, apparently, like killing more people. Yeah. Like he's still killing people. And this was very ups- like dissatisfying and upsetting. Like no one is stopping him. They're like, they talk about uh, Len, the detective, and like this other character, Hal, kind of like piecing together that Mr. Harvey's still out there linking him to other crimes. But I'm like, no one is doing anything. Like, see, this is where I differ with you a little bit. This is what this is kind of a change for me because suddenly I viewed Mr. Harvey differently mm. in the story. And whereas before he seemed, you know, like I said, it seemed like a kind of a typical murder mystery type thing. But as Mr. Harvey continued to kill people, and first of all, I kind of liked this because this gets away from her, Susie being special in any way. Yeah. She wasn't the even the last girl that he killed. No. Which the movie kind of implies that she was. Yeah. Which kind of goes back to that, like her being special in some way. In the book, she wasn't. Like other people still continue to be killed by him. And I started to view him more as like kind of this force of nature almost. Mm. I kind of thought of him like Javier Bardem's character from No Country for Old Men. Yeah. Where he's not even a character. He's just kind of chaos incarnate in a way. And he just happened to impact this family. Mm -hmm. And they're kind of recovering from it. So as the story went on and he continued to evade being captured and stuff... That's kind of the perception I had of him a little bit more. Yeah. Almost that he's like otherworldly in a way. And I liked that better. I just wish it was more that way earlier on. I just I just didn't like that we heard about all these women that were killed before Susie. And then we find out about these women that were killed after Susie. And it just seems like nowhere is justice being done at all. No. At all. And it's like, okay, maybe I could accept that Harvey would never be like caught for Susie's murder but like then all these other murders too like this is exhausting yeah no it's um it's sad and but I guess that's where like I just started viewing him as like a metaphor for kind of the injustice of the world yeah and the same with like how at this point in the story Ruth is like in tune to the afterlife and knowing where women and children are being killed, like wherever she goes. Yeah. And so it was kind of giving you a broader scope at that point in the story of just these larger injustices. Yeah. And that's kind of how I viewed Mr. Harvey at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I actually, I was not a big fan of the story 200 pages in <laughs> out of a 330 page book. Yeah. I did not like the first 200 pages that much <laughs> because I wanted it to be more about this murder mystery. And yeah, the family dynamics were kind of interesting, but I wish it had just focused on that element more. I wish it presented it like, listen, this is a family drama. Yeah. And even though she was murdered, it's not about that at all. Mm -hmm. So I I wish the focus was a little bit more clear. Yeah. At the beginning, because when it did get just into the family part later on, I was much more into it. And I was much more invested in like the dynamics of the family and what was happening. Yeah. Oh, so Ruth. So a similar scene happens in the movie where Ruth and Ray are hanging out. And this time Mr. Harvey drives by and Ruth can actually see the spirits of the dead women that he's killed in his car. And that like causes her to pass out. Mm -hmm. And then right when she passes out, Susie inhabits her body like she does in the movie. She's like dibs. (laughs) Except this time things get a little more R rated rather than the PG-13 first kiss that we get to have with 
<laughs> with Ruth and Ray being so Ray is like 14 mm-hmm. in the movie yeah. when he kisses Susie and like not much time has passed in the book. Eight years have passed. So he's like 22 now. So yeah. is Ruth. Susie is still 14 because she died at 14. She's not aging in heaven. She gets to inhabit Ruth's body and she's like, have sex with me. There is, there is so much. There is so much wrong with this. There is so much to unpack here. Okay. First of all, like you said, Okay. <laughs> okay. 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 <laughs> Given that Ray accepts that Susie is, that Ruth is Susie, that yeah. Susie's inhabiting her body, don't you have to question, like, is she still 14? Yeah. Like, what? He's having sex with a 14-year-old ghost. Like, I get that you would still possibly miss her at that yeah. point in your life. But he's, like, it's been eight years. But would the first thing you want to do is, like, oh, I want to, I want to bang her. Yeah, let's you know? do it. It's like, it's like, as, as when I was m- much younger, how I was like attracted to uh, Hermione from the Harry Potter movies oh, to yeah. Emma Watson. And then if like that age of Emma Watson appeared, it would be like, oh, no, Gross. like, no, listen, like, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like that almost. Like, yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't want to bang them. No. Um. Also. So first of all, <laughs> there's so much. There's so much. Also, he's having sex with Ruth with Ruth without her consent. Yeah. They're just using her body. Yeah. And it's like, Ruth didn't agree to that. No. Like, she was just, like, thrust out of her body. And apparently she's in heaven right now, like, chatting with people, apparently. Yeah. Like, according to the book, while Susie is just using her body. And Ruth's like, yeah, this is totally fine. But Ruth cannot give her consent to Ray because she's not there. And so Ray. Ray, Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Ray is raping her. Mm Mm-hmm. And and almost... (laughs) Uh, Susie is and too. Susie is raping like they're, her. <laughs> they're, 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah. And on top of that, Susie's weirdly like hoping that Ruth can see them. Yeah. In the book. Like, I don't know. I, I don't. She has that thought several times about, oh, I hope she can see us. And oh, God. Yeah. So then they just have a lot of sex. Yeah. And. And then. Also. Susie's like, OK, I got to go. <laughs> <sighs> and then Ruth and comes also, back and she's oh, like, oh, that was fine. And, and for a kicker, before she goes, she's like, read Ruth's journal. <laughs> like in Invade case, her privacy more. Yeah, in case you haven't invaded her enough, read her journal on top of everything else. Yeah. There's so many elements that just make all of that wrong. Yeah, it's really weird. Normally, I'm a fan of the at least they got to bang before they died thing. Yeah. But this is taking it too far. This is. <laughs> listen, if death has separated you from banging. Yeah. I'm sorry, but you lost the will. You they- can only bang dead people now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You in heaven. Yeah, you are dead. You can only dang. <laughs> dang. <laughs> dang bed people. Bang dead people. <laughs> or like appear to them as like a sexy ghost and they can somehow have sex with your ghost. I don't know. Listen, don't inhabit someone else's body and then make them do it for you. That is not, that's not okay. Just wait till Ray dies and then bang him in heaven. Exactly. And and first of all, don't tell me heaven isn't full of orgies Yeah, and just crazy sex. Exactly. With like, I mean, you have all of time, like, and everything (laughs) we've learned from the history of humanity going on up there. Yeah. You know, don't tell me she can't, like find something right yeah yeah so it's weird i don't like it i don't approve no and then she's like okay bye that's all i needed and then she's like yeah i'm fine now um and then the mom comes back because the dad has a heart attack and she's like i've been waiting eight years for a reason to come back (laughs) 
And now that you're possibly dying, I guess I'll come back. And then everyone's kind of a little happier. Except Buckley. <laughs> Except Buckley. Who's, who's like, fuck you. Yeah. But then they get him a drum set and he's like, okay. I can just pound on these drums. Get out my anger <laughs> towards my mother. And then that's basically it. And then that's Susie it. pieces. She does. She leaves them. She heads to the Although, wide heaven. But like the wide heaven, she can still see people on yeah, Earth. I don't get the difference. Which was weird because she can still like, yeah. Wasn't the whole thing that you have to like leave Earth behind, but she could still look at Earth? I don't know. <laughs> As you take a drink from your water, like, I don't know, man. <laughs> um, yeah. And also Mr. Harvey dies. Oh, yeah. In a same, similar way. Same way. Which I was especially mad in the book because in the movie, I get it. It's PG-13. The way he died makes more sense. In the book, there's this foreshadowing of something like this where they talk about the perfect murder weapon the perfect murder weapon and it being an icicle which is so unoriginal by the way yeah but an icicle because it melts like being mm-hmm. the perfect murder weapon so when he's standing under icicles you're like oh he's, he's gonna, gonna get, get him, stabbed he's gonna in get him impaled <laughs> like he's gonna get right through the top of his head yeah. and he's gonna look up and it's gonna go through his eye and you're so excited and what happens an he, icicle falls and it just pushes him yeah he and he fa- falls gets off balance yeah it's like i thought the same thing I was like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> At least give us like a gruesome death. Yeah. You gave us ghost banging. Yeah. Without consent. Give us like at least the brutal death of this horrible person. Yeah. I thought I was very annoyed that like. what, Like, OK, Mr. Harvey dies. Yeah. He got off easy. Like that yeah. was like best case scenario for yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. I take no solace in how he died or when or anything. No. I kind of felt like to what never charged for any of his crimes. No, to what end are we witnessing this? Yeah, and also like, did any of his victims or victims' families ever know who it was that killed the people that they loved? You know, nothing, yeah. no closure. I don't know. I don't know what it was supposed to represent. If it was supposed to be this kind of cosmic injustice or sad, mm-hmm. and the universe just kind of killing him in its own way. But yeah, I, I just wasn't into it that much. Okay. Okay. Which one's better? God damn it. I haven't thought about this at all. You always say that. And I'm always like, this is literally the point of our podcast. <laughs> I know. Well, I just, fi- <laughs> I always just finish the book like 10 minutes before we record. So what do you want from me? I don't know. I think I will say that it's the book because even though I did have some problems with it, um, there were some elements that I enjoyed and the family dynamics were interesting. I wish the characters were a little more uh, interesting and uh, three-dimensional in a lot of ways. Um, but I did like that aspect of it. And I think the book had a lot to explore. Whereas, I don't know, the movie, it was kind of painful for me to watch it. Yeah. All of it felt awkward to me. Yeah, the tone of the movie was very weird. It goes from, you know, horrible child murder to... Oh, fun house cleanup montage. Yeah. To Mark Wahlberg getting the shit kicked out of him in a cornfield. Yeah. To weird, trippy CGI dance party. Yeah. It just was kind of all over the place. I will also probably say the book only because near the end, I was enjoying elements of it. Yeah. Now, that's not to say that it was worth the, uh, the the time that you spent reading it. Yeah, it was kind of a real tough one for me to get through and get to a point where I was enjoying it. Yeah. And even though there were elements I liked near the end, 
I can't say I would recommend the book to anyone really. No. Or that it, it was a pay that it paid off in any way. So I could argue that, well, the movie's shorter. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is a thing yeah. that I do account for. Do I, I do too. Do I want to spend, you know, 30 plus hours reading this book or probably not that long, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm a slow reader, but, um, or do I want to spend two hours watching a movie that's not great, but is not the worst. Yeah. It's just not great. I'll, I'll say the book just because there are elements I liked in it more than the movie. Yeah. But I would almost recommend the movie over the book. Mm. If that makes sense. Yes. Can I do that? Am so I breaking so the you're rules? you're saying <laughs> that the book is better, but you would recommend that people watch the movie. Yeah. Cause for me, the effort of getting to that point in the book was too grueling yeah. to really recommend anyone put the time into it. Mm-hmm. Even though I think ultimately it was kind of worth it to you. The payoff was more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's my answer. <laughs> Great. I love it. <laughs> Wonderful. Also, I just want to say the way the book was written was very strange because it's like first person perspective from Susie in heaven, mm-hmm. but it's third person in terms of we know what everyone's thinking and how they're feeling on Earth. And like Susie kind of knows. Yeah. And it's very jarring reading it for it to be Lindsay did this. Lindsay did that. Samuel did this, blah, blah, blah. And then an I statement. Yeah. And I'm like, who's the I again? Like you kind of forget Susie and all of it. And it just felt clunky, and I wasn't a big fan of the way it was written. So mm-hmm. that's another element I should throw out there, even though I'm going with the book. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's go. Uh, let's do lightning round. Lightning round. Okay. So first up on lightning round, I would be remiss if we didn't mention uh, Grandma Lynn. Yes. From the story, she's a great character in both the book and the movie. Yeah, one of the few that's like really good. She's kind of an alcoholic. Yeah. She's very particular about her looks and what Mm -hmm. she's wearing and makeup so she seems really vain yeah Uh, but she's also very caring in a lot of ways and is like committed to keeping the family grounded during this time and she's very blunt with people and she's just a really enjoyable character she's played by susan sarandon yeah in the movie really well i thought and i just i liked her character a whole lot me too yeah um so in the book Susie and in the movie she has a charm bracelet and Mr. Harvey takes the charm bracelet and he only takes one charm from it because he likes to keep a souvenir from his victims. He throws the rest of the charm bracelet in like this pond or something and the one that he keeps is the keystone uh, keychain or charm Yeah, because they live in Pennsylvania. It's the keystone state. Um, And so he keeps that like the whole book before he like eventually gets rid of it. But on the cover, they have the house charm instead of the keystone. Mm-hmm. And then in the movie, they do the house charm that Mr. Harvey keeps instead of the keystone. And I was annoyed about it. They're erasing our Pennsylvania heritage, heritage and culture. <laughs> I'm very offended by this. Yes. I have a piece of juicy goss. Not nice. goss, but uh, a factoid from the movie that's very interesting. So Mark Wahlberg who plays the father, was a last-minute addition to the the movie. Not addition, but casting. Really? Because up until right before filming, Ryan Gosling was cast to play her father. Wow. And he had spent time gaining weight, growing a beard, and then at the last minute he dropped out because he was only, I think I read, 
and this would probably be right, 26 at the time. Wow. And he was like, I don't think I'm old enough to play this role. Oh, my God. And Peter Jackson was like, listen, like the makeup will make you look older and, and blah, blah, blah. But he's like, but he's like a method actor. And he's like, yeah. I just don't think I can play that role of someone with like a teenage daughter and blah, blah, yeah. blah. So right up until the end, he dropped out. Wow. And they cast Mark Wahlberg like literally the day before they oh started gosh. filming. I also think he looks young. Both he and the mom are very young. Yeah, they're both a lot younger than I envisioned. Yeah. But not nearly as young as like Ryan Gosling. Um, so this isn't really a fun fact. It's a sweet fact. Mm-hmm. In the mo- in the no, it's not in the book, after the family dog dies, he finds Susie in heaven. Oh yeah. And they're reunited in heaven. So their dog does go to heaven. That's so but it's sweet. really sweet. Like he like sniffs her out in the afterlife and just like <laughs> stays with her. It's adorable. Yeah. Meanwhile, in the book, after her grandma dies, she doesn't see her for a long time. No. She's like, she'll be around. <laughs> <laughs> that dog came right to her, though. <laughs> so that's our uh, lightning round. Yep. Yeah. Thank you so much for, listening, for listening to this episode. We uh, we really enjoyed, despite uh, not loving either version. Yeah. We still really enjoyed getting to experience it. adaptation for sure. Yeah. And just kind of gain a perspective on them and have opinions that we get to share with you guys. And mm-hmm. so we really appreciate the suggestion uh, to the viewer who suggested it. And if you're listening now and want us to do an episode, please email us at cover to credits pod at gmail.com mm-hmm. or tweet at us on Twitter on the Twitterverse at cover two credits with the number two. Mm-hmm. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're also on Patreon. Um, we have a lot of content over there. that's coming your way. Articles, videos, Thoughts that we have um, or that other people have on uh, these books and movies. So check that out and support us if you can. Yeah, yeah. We really appreciate it. Also, if you uh, can't support us through Patreon with monies, uh, we also appreciate reviews on Apple Podcasts or whatever you uh, listen to your podcasts on. So all those things and more. Thank you for listening to this episode. We'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye. Bye.